Oh, if you know you're free to worship the Lord with everything that you have, just remember the sacrifice, sacrifice that was done on the cross for you and for me. Everything that Jesus went through in order to give us the freedom so that we can celebrate who he is in our lives today. Amen. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my turn till I made.
big hand of praise, right? It is so good to see you all. Hey, there's more people coming in, so if you've got space next to you, you can slide over and make room for them. That'll be great. Uh, we just want to do something real quick here this morning on Resurrection Sunday, our Easter service. Let's give all of our visitors a hand, both in-house and online. We welcome you. There's a visitor center out front there. Uh, please make sure if you didn't come in well, as a visitor, when you go out, check in. There'll be some people there to help you out with some of those things uh, and, and get you some more information about the church and what's going on with that and how that's uh, going on. It is Easter Sunday morning, so we got a couple of things we need to take care of. Real quickly, uh, there are no youth groups tonight, including Bible memory. Uh, so just, it's Easter. Enjoy the day with your family. It's good. Um, uh, we, we're excited to, uh, to give you some family time. Speaking of that, the staff has been working so hard to make sure that uh, 7 a.m. service happened, breakfast happened, overflow section happened. Let's give our staff a hand. Amen. They have. Um, so that being said, uh, I'm giving the staff tomorrow off. Amen. So all the staff at FFM is off tomorrow, so uh, you'll have to call on Tuesday. Amen? Uh, that'll be good. Uh, we're excited about that. I want you to know uh, what's happening uh, there. Uh, we do have, uh, so for those of you who don't know, on uh, Sunday nights, uh, Bible memory meets for all of our readers, those who are too young to go to Aftershock or on the weekends that Aftershock doesn't meet. Uh, we have a Bible memory program, and the kids do that. So we have some Bible memory awards this morning. So, amen. Let's give uh, Mike and Donna and their whole Bible memory a hand as they come. Right? You had 20-plus uh, plus last Sunday night just in Bible memory. Yeah, and that was just the kids, and we absolutely could not do it without our awesome staff that helps us. They do a wonderful job. But we'll move on to these awards because we know these kids are excited. Noah McMillan has, won, has uh, memorized 19 verses, so he gets a gift card to McDonald's. Good job. You can stay here with me, Noah, so that Caroline Tyndall has memorized 50 verses, and so she's over here. She gets a, an FFM blanket here that's got yep here she comes this is our awesome little helper here she does an awesome job in bible memory good job you guys very good for our next one uh as i do this i want to invite our whole eldership team uh elders and wives to the stage real quick uh, elders and wives, why don't you come up to the stage real quick that would be uh super good as they're coming um uh they yeah look at the women they're all like what what is going on here uh, if you don't know, during, during the sermon every week, the children who don't go to children's church, those who stay in, um, Clarice, uh, she, she gets my sermon notes on Thursdays, and she builds a whole plan for them to follow along with the sermon. They turn it in, and then every week we have a winner. And so uh, um, this, this week's winner is, uh, I think it's Xander Sandy? One of the Sandys there. I can't read the first name because your writing is like mine. So let's give them a hand, right? Amen. 
Hey, Pastor Don is horrible writing, and that's what I do for a living, right? So, uh, very good. For those of you who are visitors, and you've been visiting for a little while, because of COVID, we hadn't been able to do a new families lunch, where we welcome new families, the elders spend a lunch day with you, give you some questions. So I thought it was very fitting that on the Easter Sunday morning, I could introduce to you, if you're new families, our whole eldership team. Matt and Elizabeth aren't here this morning, uh, so we miss them. But uh, Tim and Lynette are right here. Let's give them a hand. Amen. Carpenter. Tim and Lynette are our elders who are in charge of all youth ministries and activities and everything that's going on. They do a great job with that. They carry an incredible father's heart for our church. Uh, it's incredible. So Eddie and Anna right here. Let's give them a hand, right? Uh, Eddie and Ann are the elders who are in charge of all worship and everything that happens with worship uh, here at church. And Ann Renee also is in charge of scheduling all the children's church activities and Sunday schools and things like that. So I uh, just want you to understand that. Doug and Nancy are right here. Let's give them a hand, right? So Doug and Nancy help head up our prophetic teams and uh, some organization things. They help do some marriage counseling. On the download uh, there a little bit. And uh, uh, they also are in charge of teaching our marriage Sunday school class. Uh, so uh, they, uh, Doug and Nancy uh, are in charge of our biggest outreach of the year, which is our VBS, our Vacation Bible School. Right? So they head that up every year. Uh, if you see in the budget, there's over 10 or 12 grand budgeted. Maybe more than that for VBS. It's because of the work they do. We have 300 kids here every night. It's an incredible night uh, to have a, a great VBS in there. Uh, so uh, Doug and Nancy uh, are also two of the founding elder, or one of the two founding elder couples of Firm Foundation Ministries. So they were here uh, the very first Sunday in 1996. And so give them another hand, right? Great. Uh, Mike and Donna right here. Let's give them a hand, Mike and Donna Munson. So uh, Mike is our elder that uh, helps us with uh, uh, the, the idea of the budgets and finances and helps organize advisory council teams and those type of things. And um, right now Mike is uh, in tax season so uh, with Munson's tax service. So if he looks a little sleepy, it's because of you people. Amen. Uh, or people like me who get their taxes in late. Uh, but um, uh, love them. They're also a founding couple of Firm Foundation Ministries back in 1996. So give them a hand, right? Amen. Rod and Betty uh, Detweiler, let's give them a hand, right? And uh, if you don't know, uh, Rod is on staff full-time with us. Uh, helps do pastoral care, administration, uh, hospital visits. Uh, a lot of times on Mondays or Tuesdays, you may get a phone call from Pastor Rod. If you've missed a couple of Sundays in a row, he's probably going to be on the phone checking out who you are. Uh, if you get a letter from the church, you're probably going to get it from Pastor Rod if you're a visitor uh, or an email or those type of things. Betty's also in charge of the kitchen and everything that happens through and in the kitchen activities and those type of things. And so we can't talk enough about uh, just the care that they help give us as a family. Amen. It's good, right? Amen. Matt and Elizabeth, who aren't here, Matt is our elders in charge of all the media and the stuff you see with sound and uh, uh, online and those type of things. We've got a good team back there. Matt has over 20-plus people involved in sound and media and those things. So uh, let's give Matt and Elizabeth a hand too, right? And then uh, my wife and I, we get the honor of leading the team as the team leads the church. And so this is my wife. Amen. Give her a hand to this. So very good. Amen. 
So this year, eldership team, give them a hand. Amen. God bless. Thanks. Thanks for that. I thought it was a great day to just introduce you to the team if you didn't know them. Um, and uh, you can touch base with any of the elders about anything in the church. Uh, and it's an exciting time. So here's what we wanted to do. We have done this for, this would be our 17th year. Everybody say 17. For 17 years, we've had this crazy idea that God gave his very best on Easter and taught us the power of living sacrificially. And all those years ago, we had a vision for where we're at today. And we prayed about how we would sacrificially give to make that vision happen. And God spoke to us and said, I gave my best on Easter, so come on Easter Sunday morning and give your very best offering to the building fund. And so we've been doing that for the last 17 years. Let me tell you what God has done in that. Uh, I could read that off for you uh, year by year, but I'll just give you the total. In that 17 years, your faithfulness to just the Easter offering, which is above your tithes and offerings. So don't put your general offering in here. That goes out back. We are $6,000 short in the 17 years of bringing in $600,000 just in our Easter offering. Amen. God's been faithful. That's over the total. Now this year, just like last year COVID happened, we said we, we, we want to get this parking lot paved because we got a lot of more community activities we want to happen here. And so we got a vision to continue to put this into our building fund to use our building as an embassy for God and a community center. And so we've asked you to come and partner with us uh, this year. Uh, we set the Easter uh, offering at $45,000 was our goal this year in order to put with the 45 we had last year to pave our parking lot. And we said that everything above that was going to go to consolidate debt, to, to pay down debt. Amen. Because we still got a three-floor gymnasium we want to build over there. Hello, somebody. And so I want you to stand to your feet right now. I want you to get ready to come and bring. Today, we, I know COVID has kind of cut our bringing down, but this year we felt it was right. It, it was good, amen, to just come and in faith represent what we had a vision for. So we got some old asphalt here. Hello, somebody. And, and a wheelbarrow that represents our faith to God. I want you to come put your offering in this bucket. Now, during the service... They're going to bring me the total, and we're going to get to celebrate on Easter more ways than one. Are you with me, church? And so let's pray over this offering, and then I'm going to invite you to come. I know it's tight today, but that's all right. We'll give you some time to come and put your offering in the bucket and greet someone you haven't greeted. Father, today, thank you that we have the opportunity to bless your name in this place. Jesus be Jesus. Thank you for Easter. We celebrate your goodness. And Jesus, we put our faith in action today you taught us what the power of sacrifice looks like through Easter the death burial and resurrection of Jesus today we combine our faith with that power to be a blessing even more for our community and so Jesus we pray for this offering today use it for your glory use it for your honor and Jesus precious name and everyone said come and bring your offering amen and let's see what God will do
gather in here hallelujah now they're going to take our offering from the online and this and they're going to combine it we're going to get the total in a little bit and I'm going to give to that but in the meantime we've got some business to do in this place amen Tyler Carpenter made some statements this morning he said you cannot have an encounter with a resurrected Jesus Unless you first have an encounter with an empty tomb. Uh, come on, somebody. I said, Tyler said this to us during our, our sunrise service. He said, you cannot have an encounter with a resurrected Jesus unless you first have an encounter with an empty tomb. Come on, church. It seems odd that we as believers would celebrate emptiness. But it's through the empty tomb that God showed himself faithful. Amen? It's through the empty tomb that he made a path for us to have victory. And so today I'm going to give you permission to celebrate the goodness of Jesus. To celebrate his, his power and his resurrection. Today I want you to have permission to let the joy of the Lord fill you with the power of his resurrection. Are you ready? Who's ready to celebrate the goodness of God? Come on. This altar is open. You can come at any time and someone will come and minister to you. Father, today we've come to celebrate you, to praise your name. God, fill this place with your glory. Fill this place with your honor. Jesus, we pray that our lives will be changed today because of the power of the resurrection. So as we celebrate you, Jesus, have your way in our hearts and lives. And everyone said... Amen. 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 How many of you guys are excited about the resurrection? This is a place of freedom. This is a place of celebration. We want to let you know that this altar is open. If you want to dance, if you want to sing, if you want to jump, if you want to shout, because just, just as Jesus defeated the grave and as he walked out of the grave, because of that, you can walk out of your own grave. That grave looks different for many of us. Maybe Maybe you, you feel like you're trapped in a grave of anxiety. You feel like you're trapped in a grave of, of depression, of addiction, of fear. Whatever that is, God wants to set you free from that. And he did that through the cross. So this morning, we want to let you know that you have freedom from that grave. Amen.
quench the spirit, amen. For in Romans 5 and 8, it says, But God commitment his love towards us, in that while we yet were sinners, Christ died for us. While we wasn't making it right, God still went to the cross. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the I don't know about you, but he went to the cross when I wasn't living right. He saved a soul like mine. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like giving up. Sometimes I feel like throwing the towel in. But what if my God would have thrown the towel in on me? I'm so glad that love stepped in that day. And he hung on the cross from the sixth to the ninth hour and stretched his arms and died for me and you. I'm so glad that my God stepped in. You don't read your Bible like I read. But the Lord stepped in. He stepped in with love and compassion towards me and you. We can praise our way through depression. We can come on out to grace. One foot at a time. Because we know a Savior is down there reaching and pulling us through. If you want your family back, praise your way through. Come on out that grace.
for you this morning. We're only here to worship you. We're not here just to say we went to church on Easter, God. We're here for you because no other name is worthy. We're here for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. No other name is beside you. No other name is before you. No other name has conquered death, hell, and the grave. No other name can redeem, restore, and deliver us, God. We're here for you this morning. We're here to sing of your wonderful name. You were the word at the beginning, one with God, the Lord Most High. Your hidden glory in creation now revealed in you, our Christ. What a beautiful name it is! What a beautiful name it is the name of Jesus Christ my King what a beautiful name it is nothing compares to this what a beautiful name it is the name of Jesus So Jesus, you brought heaven down. My sin was great, your love was greater. And what could separate us now? What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The Yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory. 
I was praying this morning I just and it was just kind of funny because the Bible's devotional for today was obvious obviously the story of Easter but I don't know if any of you ever feel shameful of what you've done in the past or things that have been holding you back from what God has made you for but I just want to remind you that Peter denied who Christ was but Christ still pulled him aside and forgave him and redeemed him and I just want to remind you that there's nothing of this world that can pull you away from what the Lord has done for you. He has created each and every one of us with a purpose and a plan. And I guess what I'm saying today is I believe that the Lord is calling you to full surrender. He wants you to encounter him and he wants to encounter you. There's nothing more freeing than just surrendering and giving that all to him. Because there's nothing that can take away from what he's done for you. When he rose again, that's when everything was finished. Oftentimes we live our life like in defeat, but we're already victors. We're fighting from a victor's standpoint. We're not fighting from being defeated. So Lord, we just thank you for this time. We just thank you that you've redeemed us, Lord. We thank you that you've created us with a plan and a purpose, Lord. And I just declare, Lord, your peace over this room, Lord. I just ask, Lord, that you just invade our hearts and our minds, Lord, and that you just clear our, clear our hearts of any distractions, Lord, that are not of you, that are not from you, God. And I just ask that from today on, Lord, that you would just begin to speak to everybody, Lord, that they would know exactly where you're calling them, Lord, and that nothing from the past could hold, you back, hold them back, Lord. In the name of Jesus. There was a moment when the lights went out 
when death had claimed its victory. The king of love had given up his life, the darkest day in history. There on a cross they made for sinners, for every curse his blood atoned. One final breath and it was finished, but not the end we could have known. For the earth began to shake, and the veil was torn. What sacrifice was made as the heavens rose?
you in this place today thank you for your goodness Lord and bless you Jesus let your presence rest in this place Lord hallelujah hallelujah you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And everything must bow its knee to you. And we declare it on this resurrection Sunday in the power of the finished work of the cross of Calvary. In the power of the defeat of death, hell, and the grave. That you are the king over depression. You are the king over anxiety. You are the king over suicide. You are the king over cancer. You are the king over COVID. You are the king over political unrest. You are the king of kings and we place you on the throne. Be exalted, O Lord. Be exalted, O Lord, in this place. God, as you reign, let your rule and your authority be demonstrated through your grace and your love. On this day, our faith is renewed because a stone was rolled away. Not so that you could get out, but so that we could get in and see for ourselves and not have a secondhand Christianity. But to see for ourselves that you are risen. To no longer have to look for you among the dead. Because you live in our hearts and our lives. 
And you are seated on the right hand of the Father, exalted as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We give you praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on, give the Lord a hand of praise on this Resurrection Sunday. It is so good to see everyone here today. We'll dismiss the children for Children's Church. Thank you, my brother. And while you're getting settled, if you want to, you can turn with me in your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 28. And just once again, we want to welcome any and all visitors that we have, both in the house and online. And even if there's some up in the overflow today, we just want to welcome you. So let's welcome all our visitors today. Amen. Yeah, come on. We can do better than that. We love you guys. Thank you. I know that this is uh, spring break week and there are a lot of people gone. And um, so I appreciate you being here. Thank you, Lord, for uh, his presence here. Amen. And uh, I just remember this day one year ago. And how with everything that was in us, we pressed in as a church. It was the first time in history that the church of Jesus Christ was told it couldn't meet on a resurrection Sunday. And I remember being in this room with just uh, a handful of people, our media team and our elders, and um, having to preach to an empty building. It it didn't bother me before. I remember preaching a sermon one time on a Sunday morning to three people, Uh, my wife and daughter, and uh, the third person was a guy who was a little bit interested in my daughter at that time, so he needed Jesus. Um, and I've preached to thousands in one setting too. But that Sunday was as powerful as it was last year on Easter. That Sunday was different than this. Because this Sunday we get to be here. Come on. And I, I, I'm, I'm excited to be here. And with that in mind, I, I want us to focus on our journey and what God has brought us and what God has done uh, in the time uh, over the last few weeks with our Easter sermon series. And so in Matthew chapter 28, I just I, I want to open up with a story that we're all too familiar with, especially today. Verse 1, now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. Come on, somebody. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and, because like, and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come on, somebody. He has risen. I mean, Jesus keeps his word. I don't know where you're at today or why you're here on an Easter Sunday morning, but I know that my life is the result of Jesus keeping his word. And let me just tell you something. If Jesus didn't keep his word... And resurrection from the dead, how can I trust him to keep his word for anything else? But because he kept his, 
I said, because he kept his word and he resurrected from the dead. I I got news for you on this resurrection Sunday, on this morning, right? Against all odds, I can trust him for anything. He's not here. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly, tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. And behold, he's going before you to Galilee. There you'll see him. See, I've told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and with great joy and ran to tell the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them saying, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Father, bless the reading of the word to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Now, obviously, this is the day where we focus on the resurrection. Obviously, this is a day where we think about the empty tomb and the power of that in our faith and, and, and our walk with Christ. And it is the fundamental hinge point of the faith of Christianity. That Jesus resurrected from the dead. The fact that you can go in the world and visit the tombs of many other great religious leaders across this world, of any of the big religions, you can go and visit their tombs and see their bones. But this one, our faith, the walking with Jesus Christ, being a Christian, it's the one faith where you go to visit an empty tomb. Where you go not to see a dead man's bones, but you go to see a man where a man laid who ain't there anymore. It's the only faith. People often ask me, Pastor Don, how do you know that your faith is real and it's the only one? And I say, number one, my faith is the only one that starts in the beginning. Every other religion starts somewhere else in history. But Christianity starts in the beginning. Come on, somebody. The hinge point of our Savior is that he didn't stay in a grave that he got up. But before that happened, something else happened. He had to be crucified. And being crucified, there in that moment, soldiers mocked him and placed a crown of thorns on his head. I I don't know if it's significant to you, and and I'm like Sean Brown. Maybe you don't read your Bible like I do. (laughs) But when I think about Jesus wearing a crown of thorns, I immediately go back to the garden where man fell and God said to Adam, thorns will now grow and you're going to have to deal with them. And as Jesus was crucified, listen, they didn't put a crown of maple leaves on it, y'all not. It's not a coincidence. He wore a crown of thorns as signifying that The curse altogether is broken. The curse altogether is broken. They placed a sign over his head that said, King of the Jews. They didn't see him as king, they didn't see him as the one who ruled and reigned. But after the resurrection, Jesus reveals himself to his disciples. And because of his victory over death, he claims all authority over heaven and on earth. 
Jesus and his love is what held him on the cross. Come on, somebody. That love reigns and it lives. Still today, it gives us faith and hope to trust in him. And on this day of all days, it's most significant. When we complete our journey to Easter this year, here in this place, I need you to understand that against all odds, it was love that caused Jesus to come to earth, to offer himself as a sacrifice, and to forgive the world of its sin. That against all odds, it is love that continually offers us newness, life, through a risen Savior. Let me tell you something, church, today. Jesus doesn't have to die for your sins again. He already did that. And the proof that he already did that is the fact that he raised from the dead. And it's most significant in this place. And I, and I talk to people all the time. And here as a pastor, here's one of the things. I, I, I can confess to you today that many people underestimate the power of love. But I would argue with you that it's the most powerful thing on the face of the earth. There's a whole bunch of men in this room who can tell you the crazy things they did because of the power of love trying to win their wife's heart. Hello, somebody. The rut will make you do stupid stuff. All my dear buddies, you got it, right? You got it, right? I used to tell my son all the time, I was like, don't get in the rut. Biggest deer always get killed in the rut. It makes us do crazy. Love makes us do crazy things. I remember when I first met my wife. I remember the day I first met my wife. And I'll be honest with you. I, I was unsure how to start a conversation with her. That might seem awkward to you guys. Pastor Don talks all the time. But it was, it was rough. I, I struggled to start the conversation with her. Right? Like... I remember that day in particular, and I wasn't sure what to say. I finally worked up the guts, and the only thing I could think of, and it just came out of my mouth, is, you got the job. I hired her. She came in and applied for a job where I was the manager at. <laughs> now I'm the boss. Look at Brenda. Some, somehow no one needed a mic for that. That was over 30 years ago. <laughs> I broke the ice with you got the job and the rest is history. Love is the driving force behind our sacrificial actions. Towards our family, towards our friend, it is the driving force of anything that's sacrificial. We'll gladly pay any price in order to demonstrate how much we care. Come on. 
It loves so amazing that it moves us to do powerful things. Let me prove you how amazing love is. That it can move us to do powerful things. Before there was ever an Easter Sunday, there was a Good Friday. For God so loved the world. Before there was ever a resurrection, there had to be a death. Come on, church. Love will compel you to do some wild things. And I need us to understand here as we end our journey of of against all odds, Jesus steps in. We have to realize in this room today, there can only be one king. There can only be one king. 33 years, Jesus walked the earth and he served the hungry and, and he healed the broken and he delivered the oppressed. In, in the time that Jesus walked in his ministry, that three and a half years, he's crucified at, at the age of 33 or whatever. And, and, and he did some incredible... The Bible even testifies that if everything Jesus did was written down, there wouldn't be enough paper or ink to write it and hold it all. Jesus was a busy man. We get a snapshot of his walking on earth, and, 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 but we don't get everything that happened, everything that he did. But what I love what Jesus does is he comes announcing the kingdom of God and the restoration of all things. And people can't understand how that's going to happen. He claims to be the son of God and, and, and he claims to be the king of everything. How can, how can everything be restored? We're, we're oppressed by the Roman government. How can everything be restored? We're broken as a people. How can everything be restored? The world is in ruin. And maybe some of us sit in this room listening online today and, and we say the same thing. My life is a wreck. Spiritually, physically, financially, emotionally, my marriage, my family. I've got this addiction or I'm struggling with this or I've got this sickness. And and how can all things be restored? Listen to me, church. There can only be one king. Your calamity can be king or Jesus can be king. Your bitterness can be king or Jesus can be king. Your depression can be king or Jesus can be king. Maybe you are suffering with chronic illness. That can be king or Jesus can be king. Paul himself said, I sought the Lord three times, but he said, my grace is sufficient. And so Paul, Paul never got rid of his affliction. What he did is he came into a a revelation that there can only be one king, either my affliction or Jesus. I think I'll let Jesus reign. Rome had put Herod the Great there to keep Israel in order. And he was constantly afraid that some other authority would come and undermine his. And so as he's hearing a new king is coming, he's bothered by this. Why? Because both Herod and Jesus can't rule over Israel. So the Jewish leaders and the Roman centurions worked together to put Jesus to death. Yes, they did. It brought him to trial for his claims to be God. 
He was, he was convicted and he was beaten nearly to death and forced to carry a wooden cross all the way up a hill, the very hill that he would be killed on. Look at it in chapter 27 there, uh, verse 32. And as they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, and compelled this man to carry his cross. When they came to the place of Golgotha, which is the place of the skull, they offered him wine and drink mixed with gall, but when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots, and they sat down and watched, kept watch over him there. And over his head they put the charge against him which read, This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right, the other on the left. Those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you're the Son of God, come down from that cross. So also the chief priest with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. He's the King of Israel. Let him come down from that cross and we'll believe in him. Hello, somebody. They had no idea. What coming down from that cross would mean. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires uh, him. For he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers who crucified with him also riled him in the same way. The cross is marked by ridicule and disbelief. The soldiers marked Jesus. And in that... Those who passed by joined in. The true test. You need to pay attention to me this Easter Sunday morning. The true test of Jesus' power and authority is not his ability to save himself. But in his ability to overcome death. The true test of his power wasn't whether he could deliver himself. The true, true test of his power was whether he could finish. He could finish the work of God to deliver us. In the beginning, he was tempted to use his power for himself. In the end, he's still tempted to use his power for himself. But each time he denied himself. Why? Because he longed for you and for me. Sometimes we miss the proof of the lordship of Jesus because we're expecting him to prove himself one way or the other. I know that there are a lot of individuals who may be even listening to me today. You might even be in the room. You've already decided that you're never going to trust Jesus unless he meets your expectations. Do you know how many people I have heard walked away from Jesus, walked away from the body of Christ because they were disappointed that God didn't do what they wanted God to do? In other words, they're not interested in the sovereignty of God. They're only interested in the servanthood of God. In other words, they want, them, they want to be the Lord of Jesus instead of Jesus being the Lord of the. We've all been there. Everyone in this room has had unanswered prayer that has caused disappointment in our life some way or another. That's honest, that's a true statement, and I don't think God's afraid of that. I don't think God's offended by our disappointment. Unless Jesus heals, 
unless Jesus gives me a job, unless Jesus stops world hunger, unless Jesus writes it in the sky, I'm never going to trust him. I can't see Jesus as king. It's the same struggle plagues us today as it plagued them back there. It drives us. We demand that Jesus prove himself on our terms. And when you do that, listen, when you demand that Jesus prove himself on your terms, you rob yourself of seeing him actually work in your life. That's something that we need to ponder on this Easter Sunday morning together, even as a church. When we demand that God move on our terms, we could actually be robbing ourselves of God doing something better. How many Christians live like the rich young ruler? We can't see what God is offering us because we're blinded by what we think God is asking us to give up. Herod wasn't the last one to be threatened by the lordship or the king. I should say the kingship of Jesus. He was not the only one to, to struggle with the, the fact that Jesus, the idea that Jesus is in charge. We still have a hard time with it today. Hello, somebody. There's a chair. This chair represents the throne of our heart. And let me say this to you, church. Whoever sits in that chair is the king of your heart. Whoever sits in that chair is the king of your heart. And so if you sit in the chair, you're the king of your heart. And your desires, your demands, your selfishness, your ideas... Your thought processes, they will rule and reign in your heart. And you won't be able to figure out why it's not working. Why you're still in the same place today as you were last year. Why this vicious circle, uh, the merry-go-round of struggle. I almost said a different word, but I won't today. You can't get off of it. You can't get off of it no matter how hard you try. You can't get off of it. You, you, can't, you can't get unbroke. No matter how much money you make, you seem to always be broke because you won't get off the merry-go-round of spending more than you make. If you always do what you've always done, you always get what you always got. You see, as long as we sit on the throne of our heart, we are going to rule and reign in our own life. And listen, there's a problem with that because we can only do it from a broken mindset. And brokenness can't fix brokenness. We got to get off that thing and say there's only one king. And hey, Jesus, how about you sit on the throne in my heart? How about you lead and guide me? How about you let my life look like what the Bible says, that the righteous man is led by the Lord and that the prayers of the righteous are effective? How about you sit right there, Jesus, and tell me what you think about this issue? How would you move in this situation? What would you say in this situation? 
We've got to choose whether we want ourselves to be in the chair or we want Jesus to be in the chair. Hello, somebody. Let me tell you something, church. Against all odds, when you get out of that chair, you feel like your life's going to be in a free fall and nobody's in control. But when you let Jesus sit down and be the King of kings and the Lord of lords of your heart, I guarantee you your life's going to get better. I guarantee you things are going to turn around. I'm not saying suffering's over, but I'm saying the reign and the rule of Jesus Christ will come and be in authority and in charge. And everything the devil has tried to use to steal, kill, and destroy will come to an end. You got to get off that thing. If Jesus is dead, then none of this matters. Hello, somebody. Y'all not helping me today. It's Easter. I thought y'all was excited. I said, if Jesus is dead, none of this matters. But if he rose from the dead, y'all, that changes everything. I said, if he rose from the dead, then he's king. Paul said, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we of all people are most miserable because we believed a lie. But since he did rise from the dead, we of all people have more reason to rejoice and be excited. Church, I need you to understand something. Against all odds, listen to me. The worst thing that will ever happen to you will not be the last thing that ever... I'm getting ahead of myself. Because of Easter, love overcame death. Three days. Three days. A lot can happen in three days. Jesus is crucified. And he's laid in this tomb, right? And everybody's shocked, right? They're amazed, right? Like, uh, and, 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 and three days later, I, I, y'all don't read that. I mean, y'all remember that time when Jesus came in the room? He walked through the door. It's locked. The disciples are all in there boo-hooing. What are we going to do? We're going to die. They're going to kill us all. They killed Jesus. It's all over. Look what's happening. Jesus walks through this locked door. Just walks through the wall. And they see Jesus. Can you see him? Ah! <laughs> Jesus doesn't say anything except, y'all got anything to eat? Yeah, it's right there. And they didn't know what to say. They said, uh-huh. oh, we got some fish and honey. How, come on. That, if anybody in this place says you put honey on fish, you can get saved right here, right now. Don't do, you do need Jesus. Fish and honey. This had never happened. They seen him die. They seen him killed. Come on, somebody. They knew he was dead. And now he's eating with them, walking with them, talking with them. Come on, church. His resurrection is proof that he was indeed king overall. There's a story of a, a, a very famous uh, artist. His name was Paul Gustav Dorr, uh, 1821 to 1883. He was traveling and he lost his passport while he was traveling in Europe. 
And when he came to the border crossing, he explained his situation to one of the guards and, and, and he gave them his, his name, uh, it, hoping that they would recognize him for who he was. He's this famous uh, artist. He's this famous painter. And, and, and that would be all the proof that they needed to, to let him pass. And the guard looked at him and said, you know how many people try to cross this border by claiming to be somebody they are not? We need proof. And, 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 and Dor, he insisted that he was who he claimed he would be. And the guard looked at him and said, all right, we'll give you a test. And if you pass it, we'll let you through. What's this all about? So the guard handed him a pencil and a sheet of paper. And he said, I need you to sketch the people standing right here. Dor took the paper and the pencil and he did it so quickly and so skillfully that the guard was convinced that he was indeed who he claimed to be. Buckle your seatbelt. His work confirmed his word. Maybe Jesus ain't king. Maybe he isn't Lord. Maybe he didn't keep his word. Maybe he didn't really die. Do you know I heard this? I almost said a bad word. Uh, uh, this person tried to explain that maybe Jesus didn't actually die on the cross. He actually survived his wounds. And that in the three days in the tomb, he healed from them enough that he could get up and walk around. A man who the Bible describes as beat with a cat of nine tails so terribly that he's unrecognizable that flesh hangs off his bones. A man who has nails driven through his hands and through his feet. A man who had spear pierced in his side and only water flew out, not blood. If he'd still been alive, his heart would have been pumping blood and blood would have came out, but his heart was not beating anymore, so therefore... That's, a, that's an old butcher talk. Some butchers in here know we got to have the heart beating if we're going to bleed that dude out. And they didn't even finish reading the Bible that Jesus takes an eight-mile walk down the road of Emmaus. A man, this guy wanted me to believe that a man who's been beaten so bad he's unrecognizable, flesh hangs off the bones. He's been nailed to a cross, stabbed in the side. A man who is like that. And just a few short days later is going to take an eight-mile walk. <laughs> let me help you out. Don't let Google be your Bible commentary. You better find yourself a Bible-believing church, a Bible-preaching church. A Jesus worshiping church. Because why? In that church, in this book, is where you'll find that his work confirms his word. Come on, somebody. There's a lot of people who doubted him. There's a lot of people who mocked him. But they didn't have the last word then and they don't have the last word now. Come on, somebody. Love always has the last word. And, and, and the scripture tells us that it's true. One of the most famous passages in the scripture is that God so loved the world that he sent his son. That whosoever would believe shall not perish but have everlasting life. 
They sent his son into the world, not that the world will be condemned, but it might live through him. How many of us live in condemnation? When we put our faith and hope and trust in Jesus, in his life, his death, his resurrection, that's when we are saved. How many of you have had a bad day? Come on, have you, you ever had a bad day? And because your day was so bad, you actually doubted your salvation. We've all been there. Come on, we, we chew our nails down to our elbow. What can remove us from the love of God? Not death. Not hell. Not demons. My salvation is as sure as his resurrection. Come on, somebody. This is why we celebrate today. This is why we've been given an opportunity for eternal life. This is why we celebrate church. Because of an empty tomb. Y'all not listening to me. So I'm going to write it down so you can see it. Maybe take a picture of it. Do it on your Twitter. Do whatever you want to. Against all odds, the worst thing that has happened to us will not be the last thing that's ever happened to us. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all in here done been through some stuff. Come on. You done been through some stuff. Some of y'all still going through some stuff. And let me prophesy right now. Some of y'all going to go through some. Jesus said, while we live in this world, we shall have tribulation. That's what's going to. We've been through. We're going through. We will go through. But here's the promise that we have. Because he is a risen Savior. He could promise and keep his word that he'd never leave us nor forsake us. And if Jesus was with me yesterday, he's with me today. And if he's with me today, he's going to be with me tomorrow. And we got work to do as a church, as people who believe. We got work to do. And it's time, it's time for the church to take its rightful space and start doing the job that Jesus left us here to do and stop relegating it to inept people. He never promised to deliver this world through politics. He promised to deliver this world through Jesus. And let me tell you something, when Jesus comes back, when he, but listen, I'm just telling you right now, when he, when God says, go get him, and he takes his long, lean Galilean leg, and he steps out on that cloud to call his church home, it ain't no matter who's in the white. <laughs> well, I can't see, can you wait? The father looks at Jesus and says, all right, I'm done with this mess, go get him. The Bible says every eye will see and the hearts of men will fail at the sight of him. Yeah, I, I understand that TBN's got cameras on the Mount of Olives recording 24-7, you know, the return of Jesus, just in case we miss it. <laughs> they didn't read the book. And the Bible says everybody's going to see. I don't know how it's going to happen. Because the Mount of Olives is way over yonder. But I know that distance doesn't mean anything when Jesus comes back from me. Amen. See, in Matthew chapter 28, I, I got I to hurry. Verse 18 through 20. Watch this. We understand that Jesus says, go make disciples. 
Go make disciples. That's what he said. Why? Because he intends for us to grow the body of Christ. Why? Because the body of Christ, the church, is very important to him. If it wasn't, he wouldn't have died for it. The, the church, the body of Christ, is the, is the point at which the kingdom of God invades planet earth. Easter is the day that Jesus was given all authority on heaven and on earth. And let me just tell you something, church. No matter how many doubted him, he's the king of the Jews. No matter how many mocked him, he was able to rescue himself and the entire world as well by submitting to the Father's plan. No matter how many question his power, he defeated death once and for all. Because of an empty tomb, the love of God was the authority that was given and now is reigning over the entire world and our lives as well. And his final instructions to his followers is what? Go make disciples. Spread the good news. The good news of what? He's alive. He's alive. That was the first thing he told the women to do. Hey, go tell those, go tell those knuckleheads I'm alive. I told them it was going to happen, but I, they're a little thick. Can you go tell them? The angel first had to tell the women, hey. In one of the gospels, it's recorded as, as, as the guys get there, and they're, they're standing in the empty tomb, and, and the angels are confused. What, what you doing? Right? He's not here. And then when Jesus, later, 48 days later, he ascends, and they're all gawking into heaven. And the angels show up again and go, what, what y'all doing? <laughs> Can you see the angels like, what y'all looking at? I don't see nothing. And so they look at the disciples and say, how about you go do what he told you to do? Hey, church, it's Easter. It's Resurrection Sunday. We've been filled with the power of the living God. How about we just go do what Jesus called us to do? How about we just do that? How about we just do that? You want to plant churches? Yeah, we want to plant the region of churches. How about we just go do that? Y'all say, I don't know how to do it. Listen, the woods is full of lost people. Just go get you one. Just go get one. How do we do that? We let love reign. We let love reign inside of us. If you consider yourself a Christian today, you've got to be part of the disciple-making process. We allow ourselves to be students and learners of Christ to help others be students and learners of Christ. That's our job. Listen, to be a disciple is to be a lifelong process of becoming more like Jesus. It's never over. I told some of the young guys the other night, I said, listen, the, the idea of discipleship is be one, make one. Why are we making this complicated? Be one, make one. Be one, make one. I don't know how to do that. You can teach what you know. That's all a disciple is, is someone who's teaching what they've known. 
You can't teach what you don't know, so don't try. But you can teach what you know. What do you know? Jesus raised from the dead. What do you know? He's king. He's Lord. I let him sit down on the throne of my heart. I, 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 said, I, I finally got up off of my heart. And I let Jesus sit down. And let me tell you about the story that's happened since. Over time we learn what it lo- looks like to live generously instead of living as a consumer. The, the, the body of Christ cannot live as consumers. God has called us to be the head, not the tail, the giver, not the borrower. God has called us to make an impact on the earth. He's called us to live our lives generously and to think about way, the way we live our life in such a way that causes someone else to be able to see Jesus Christ in all his glory. We're compelled to live like he did and to invite them on the journey with us. Why? Because of the power of the resurrection, because of an empty tomb. This is what it means to let love reign in our life as a body of believers. I became a believer when I was 19. I knew that Jesus loved me. I knew that he had died and rose again for me. In that moment, in that moment, I knew. 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 I'm supposed, to t- I'm supposed to read this number? I'm, sp- I'm supposed to read this number. L- let me just say this. Every year I ask them to bring me this during the sermon so that you can see it. I have no long how, idea how long it takes them to count that. There's no way we could have planned my sermon being the part of what it means to learn to be a generous people. But let me tell you something what it looks like. When a generous people can say we believe in the work of God. We love it so much. We can come on an Easter morning to an Easter offering and give general offering also on there which is above that Easter offering that was $17,166 come on church give God praise that should take care of the parking lot
I might need to puke. Let me tell you something, church. If we can be that generous with the money God gives us and look what God will accomplish. Look at this place. They told us not to build a church here. They told us not to build a church here. It wasn't big enough. Centerville wasn't big enough. It doesn't need a church. But God had gave these elders a word. And I can remember showing up in 2004, sitting down with the eldership team and this leadership team and saying, look, if you're looking for Don and Lisa to scheme up a new idea, you got the wrong people. Why? Because God's already give you vision. And I just suggest we get on board with God's already doing. Amen. And look what God has done. I remember my first Sunday here, there was three people in children's church in Carlene's class. Three kids. I invite you here on a Sunday afternoon when the high school, the middle school, and vibrant memory is here. I invite you to come and look and see what God is. There's over 100 kids running around this place. Some kids on Sunday morning run around. They got these stickers on them. They put them on the back. I got to pick them. They come up. Pastor Don. I got to pick them up and turn them around. I don't know. Who do you belong to? <laughs> I love it. Imagine what would happen, church, if we live as generously with our faith about Jesus Christ and his death, his burial, and his resurrection and how it changed our lives. Imagine if we can accomplish this, what else we can accomplish, church? My, my. I don't even know where, uh, where was I? I don't even know. <laughs> I was saved at 19 years old. I could not. Mike Munson and I walked out of my office this morning, and I confess to being anxious about today. We're reading new family member lists, and and Mike's like, "Why are you so anxious?" And I just said all the things that we dreamed about that they called us crazy, Mike. What has God done? How good has he been to us? All because of his love and it reigning in our lives. And at 19 years old, I couldn't imagine it. I remember, and I told my wife, I, I remember going to bed and, and dreaming about this place. And we were in Florida, and I would wake up and describe it to my wife. I knew Jesus loved me. I knew Jesus died and rose again for me. And I gave him my life. And let me tell you something, church. Since that time, I prayed for Jesus to live in me. And, I, and my life to change. And it has in such powerful and wonderful ways. And I've spent 30 years of my life. When I hired my wife, I was not a Christian. I just saw this beautiful woman and I thought, hot dog. You got the job. <laughs> In that time, I've had to pray for God to make me a better husband, a better father, a better friend. 
a better pastor. And I'm always reminded of Jesus' final instructions after his resurrection. It's important. It's important for us today. He said he'd be with us to the very end, and he has been. Come on. He has. And his work has confirmed his word. I want to remind you in this room today, right where you're at, you are never alone. Jesus lives and dwells inside of you. And and by the power of the Holy Spirit, this means that no matter what you go through, no matter what you face, you are not alone. I'm convinced that in this room, right here, today, in this place, there are two types of people. There are some here who have never made the decision. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're watching live or maybe you're watching a playback. You've never made a decision to let love reign in your life. And you've been sitting in that chair. And then they worked out so well for you. You've been waiting for Jesus to prove himself. But you're sitting where he belongs. And so it hasn't happened. And so in this place today, right now, in this moment, I want to invite you. If you're online, or if you're in this house, right where you're at, I want to invite you to give your heart and life to the Lord. No, no, no. I'm a, we're going to do it right now. Come on, let's bow our heads. Everyone bow your heads. I don't want anybody looking around. Listen, if you're in this room and you would like to give your heart and life to the Lord, would you just raise your hand right now? Would you just raise your hand right now? Come on, would you just raise your hand right now? If you're online... Someone is watching. Type your name in there. Come on, I see it. I see it. I see it. Let's pray. Jesus, I confess that I've lived my own way under my own authority for far too long. Jesus, I've sinned against you. and I've sinned against others. And right now, I repent and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that you died and rose again for me. And I welcome your spirit to work in my life to obey you above everything else. I want to join you in sharing the good news of the resurrection. And I thank you for promising to always be with me for the rest of my days. Satan, I renounce you. Jesus is now Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Everyone said... Come on, give those a hand who just gave their heart life to the Lord. If you prayed that prayer this morning, there's going to be a team right back here in the prayer room. See this door right where Mike and Donna sit right there? That's our prayer room. They're going to be waiting for you. And they would like to talk to you for just a minute. We're going to give you some anonymity right away. And there's going to be a team right there waiting for you. If you're online and you gave your heart and life to the Lord, will you put your name in a way to contact you there? The, the, the minister or the media team is going to write that down and get it to our, our contact team. That's the first group of people that I believe are in this room. The second, there may be some of us here today who have trusted Jesus, but we've grown tired of obeying him. 
Maybe you've strayed from him and you begin to live your life your way. Maybe there was a time when you let Jesus sit on the throne, but because of free will, you came back and removed him and set yourself back down. Easter reminds us that we can repent and obey. If this is you today, I want to remind you that Jesus promised to never leave you nor forsake you. He still loves you and he's still with you and that his work, the empty tomb, come on somebody, confirms his word. Just, just real quickly, is there anybody in the house who's been to Israel and seen the tomb? No, no one is in the house who's seen it? Well, we, we're trying to get there. We're trying to get there. We were going there and COVID kind of messed that up, but God's still sovereign. Maybe God's got something better to speak when we finally do get there. Listen, commit your life once again to Jesus. And live for him. We have so many new believers. That Doug came into an elders meeting the other day. And he was like hey. We got, we got to do baptism. I mean of all the problems I got. <laughs> Doug was like what are we going to do? I said fill the tank up. May 23rd. We're going to do a baptism right in here because it's all the new believers that have come to the Lord. Come on, give God praise for that. Yes. Doug's going to be announcing some baptism classes to make sure that we biblically understand what it is, what it looks like to walk us through. You're going to see him. If that is you, if this morning you made that commitment either online or in the house, you need to see him. Uh, we're going to take care of this thing. Listen, I will fill this tank up every Sunday. You know how I many gallons of water? How, long, how many hours does it take to fill that thing, Doug? I don't care how many hours it takes to fill it. You know how many hours it takes to heat it? 24. So, uh, <laughs> we, we, we're not doing cold baptisms. No, no. <laughs> I don't have to do that. Okay. We did do it once. The very first Sunday we ever used our baptismal here, the heater did not work overnight. Boy. You talk about experiencing the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Couldn't tell whether it was Holy Goose bumps or... Let me share this with you, church. This Easter, it may be something different than for you than you've ever experienced it. I pray that you see the resurrection of Jesus Christ as proof of his love. That his works confirm his word. And may you let the love of the Lord Jesus Christ reign in your life. May you join God in spreading the good news with the entire world. We got work to do. And if you don't believe that, a simple browsing of the news in the evening will tell you the church has got work to do. And I'm not afraid to do it. Who's going to tell me I can't? Come on, somebody. I got, I got my big brother on my side. His name's Jesus. Yeah. Come on, somebody. May we join God as we have today in faith. In the power of his life. Will you stand with me in this place?
Lord Jesus, it's not just any old Sunday. Of course, when we walk with you, they never are. We like it that way, Jesus. We love it, God, that you come and invade our worship service. We love it, Lord, that you come and give us the word of God with truth and power. We love it, God, that you stir us to the things of you. We love it, God, that not only is your work proof of your word, but God, the church that exists now on planet Earth, all over the world, in each country, the church in America, in each state, in every community, even this church, even this church, even this church is full of your power. We're full of your resurrection power. And God, we want our works to confirm your word. And God, we live to hear the world say their God must be with them. Can you tell me more about who he is? Today, we celebrate your goodness in this place, Jesus. We celebrate your goodness in this place, Jesus. We lift your name and exalt you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless you, Jesus. Come on, we have to sing this song. It's Easter. Hello, somebody. I cast my mind to Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed Body found and drenched in tears, they laid him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance sealed by heavy stone, Messiah still and all alone. Sing out, oh, praise the name.
Come on and give the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, a hand of praise today. He is risen. He is exalted. Come on, church. Come on, God honored our faith with $90,000 offering. Give God.